from a competitive perspective. Um, if we don't create value, someone else will. Um, from a competitive perspective, if we're not the most efficient, someone is always trying to be. And then um, we know if we're creating that value, then our opportunity to continue to earn that business from that customer as their business grows. Welcome to the Be Epic Podcast, brought to you by the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. I'm your host, Brent Williams. Together, we'll explore the dynamic landscape of business and uncover the strategies, insights, and stories that drive business today. Well, today I have with me Spencer Frazier. Uh, Spencer is Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing at J.B. Hunt. Spencer, welcome and thank you for being here today. Hey, Brent, thanks for having me on campus again. Uh, love being here, mm-hmm. being here with you and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Well, me too. And uh, you've been a wonderful partner of the Walton College for many years, you personally, uh, but even more broadly, J.B. Hunt. It's really been a special relationship. It has. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something I think that um, has been unique for quite a while. We've got a lot of alumni um, in our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, at all levels, and uh, we look forward to continuing that pipeline of uh, talent coming to join our team. Um, but also, just um, you know, I didn't uh, grow up here; I didn't graduate uh, from the University of Arkansas. Uh, but it's really been an honor to be able to participate um, and um, really learn um, alongside you on how we can help students um, and really um, help our organization continue to grow. Um, by making that connection stronger. So uh, it's, it's really been a privilege to be a part of it. Well, I agree. Same, same for me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, a couple of things that, that maybe I'll, I'll start with. Well, first, uh, you've been in this role of executive vice president, leading sales and marketing for, I think, right about a year at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. But, but you've been with J.B. Hunt for basically your entire career. Pretty uh, much. And... Um, maybe just start there with us, just a little bit about your career journey, and then we'll kind of get into where you're at today. Yeah, you bet. Well, um, I started at J.B. Hunt 31 years ago, mm-hmm. a little more than that. Uh, prior to that, I did uh, go to Iowa State. I grew up in Iowa um, and uh, went to the business college there and got my degree in transportation and logistics. Uh, and that kind of was interesting how all that came about, but... Uh, going to the career center and looking at opportunities and different things as I was trying to figure out what to do as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, it really stood out as opportunities for high placement and also high salary. Yeah. And so as, a, as a, a young student saying, okay, that looks pretty appealing. I don't know everything about it, but I'm going to try to figure it out. And uh, finished up at Iowa State in 1992. Um, but I'll say this, little did I know um, I was destined for Arkansas, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'd never been to Arkansas, uh, but I had two job offers when I finished. Uh, one of them was Walmart, the other was J.B. Hunt, and they were three days apart. Really? J.B. Hunt was first, and as a young kid with a few student loans and things like that, um, I said yes immediately. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Walmart called later and I said, well, I'm um, sorry, I can't, uh, can't do that. I've already accepted a job with J.B. Hunt. And so uh, I was on my way to Arkansas and uh, got to start in um, the management training program. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting thing at the time. Uh, we got to rotate through all the departments 
in the organization and learn the business because if you were working in um, billing, you would teach me that job for maybe a few days or a week, and then you'd go on vacation, and mm -hmm. then I would do your job and try not to mess it up uh, by the time you got back. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we got to go through all different parts of the organization, even work in the shop and drive a truck, uh, go through our driver training school, which was great. Um, and then we got our first real job. My first real job was uh, working uh, night, um, planning trucks, hmm. matching trucks and loads uh, from 5 p.m. to 6 a.m. And that was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. And so needless to say, through that program, and I'll even say, I'll put a plug in for um, anyone that works at night or anyone that has an opportunity to, especially weekends, um, that's a fast track to learning. Hmm. Absolutely. Because uh, your resources are limited. Um, and you have to rely on each other as a team, hmm. um, and you really have to kind of figure things out. Um, but got to be in an operational role after that in uh, both our truck line, um, and then had the opportunity to go into Intermodal. Um, Intermodal was still in its infancy, so to speak. We started that in 1989, um, hmm. but around, I think it was 94-ish uh, is when I got to start in Intermodal. Uh, doing similar things, making sure that we were coordinating all of our shipments for our customers, meeting their expectations. And so operationally, and then um, I've had a few people say that uh, uh, maybe I'd be good in sales. Hmm. Um, I was interested in that and uh, talked to quite a few folks in the organization about it and uh, had my first sales job in 1995 hmm. and um, uh, had a territory and um, uh, Ford Taurus and a bag phone and a Rand McNally Atlas <laughs> and uh, worked on my pipeline and tried closing deals then. So how that's awesome. kind of how everything started. How awesome. Yeah. Um, and so 31 years later, uh, yeah. or I guess 30 years later, you entered into this role leading sales mm -hmm. and marketing. Yeah. Uh, and um, as you said, you've had quite a career in sales, but maybe tell us a little bit. I don't, I don't want to assume that every, I know J.B. Hunt uh, so well that I can forget that, you know, maybe some of our listeners don't fully understand the scope of services, what your mission is, and then, you know, what are you focused on in this role? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the organization today, um, let's call it uh, around a $14 billion organization, uh, 35,000 people, hmm. um, around 24,000 of those are drivers. Um, and then when you think about the services that we provide, think of supply chain solutions, transportation services for the first mile of a supply chain could mm -hmm. even be international, mm -hmm. um, different things at the port, as well as kind of the middle mile, um, things from production to uh, uh, distribution, uh, intercompany shipments, and then the final mile, mm. and that's even from a uh, point of distribution all the way to your home, mm. um, coming in and doing installation of equipment and um, uh, home appliances, furniture, exercise equipment, big things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so our business is set up with five business units. Okay. And um, I've had the privilege of working in uh, four of the five uh, in operational and or sales uh, and sales support roles. Um, and so our history is of J.B. Hunt trucking so our truck line, mm -hmm. um, as you would expect, picking up shipments from kind of uh, Chicago to Dallas or Atlanta to Philly or things like that. 
uh, moving truckload shipments. Uh, that's one business unit. Um, we also have the biggest is our intermodal business unit. Uh, very innovative when Mr. Hunt and Mike Haverty from the Santa Fe started that mm -hmm. in 1989. A very unique relationship with the BNSF today. Mm -hmm. um, also our other railroad partners, the CSX, Norfolk Southern and others. And so that's our biggest business unit. Um, uh, significant opportunities to drive efficiency um, into the supply chain there. And then another strong and powerful and uh, really fast growing business is our dedicated contract services. Mm -hmm. And that's more private fleet creation, private fleet management. And uh, that's where the majority of our drivers are um, really doing hard, complicated work, mm -hmm. um, uh, hauling anything from feed to animals to retail distribution to food uh, delivery. Um, and construction delivery and mm -hmm. different things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then our final mile services, which is the one where we're coming into your house, mm -hmm. likely taking out your washer and dryer for maybe a major retailer that you'd purchase that from, uh, integrated uh, retail and point of delivery scheduling operations, and then providing the installation and making sure that you have a good experience that represents that brand. Mm -hmm. And then our last one, is ICS, mm -hmm. and that's our logistics and brokerage business that really complements all of those, but on its own is something that can provide really any type of capacity for any type of shipment. Mm -hmm. um, and from a third party perspective, uh, leverages our tech that we've invested into in yeah. a big, big way. So when you think of all those five business units and where we're at, JB Hunt's a big organization. Mm -hmm. Um, but relatively small related to the market that we play in. Mm -hmm. um, so say around 14 billion, we play in a $645 billion market. Yeah. Highly fragmented, mm -hmm. but that presents a tremendous opportunity for us to execute our mission. Yeah. And our mission is to create the most efficient transportation network in North America. Well, then, you know, something you just said is, is really one of the main things I wanted to talk about with mm -hmm. you. You know, you said, you, you want to solve problems or you know for for your customers and I, with all the different services that JB Hunt offers you got the ability to take a full suite of services to a customer mm -hmm. and help them solve their transportation logistics and supply chain problems yep. and um, you, you know but maybe I, I kind of wanted to narrow in on sales and, and your thought about sales when when I look at our students and you know the Walton College fairly well you know we'll have roughly this fall 8,000 undergraduate students and you know probably 600 or so graduate that's students. fantastic too uh, it's been wonderful growth mm -hmm. um, and it's been wonderful to see those students get great jobs and succeed uh, and that that's really why we're here um, many of them land in some sales oriented role whether they intended to necessarily or not mm -hmm. and you know sometimes i think i, I wonder if there's a, a understanding of what sales really is you know and i always see you start with the customer when you talk sales so i just wonder kind of your whole perspective on what sales actually is and how you go about it yeah well that's a big question yeah um but i'll, I'll tell you this uh I don't think people realize it, but everyone's in sales. Hmm. Everyone is in sales. 
and f- even from a business perspective or a personal perspective, mm-hmm. everyone is in sales. And what I mean by that, um, whether from when you're growing up um, to where you're at as a student today or um, in the professional workspace, all of us are doing things where we have to ask for something, where we have to influence others, mm-hmm. uh, we have to make recommendations, we have to encourage, uh, we have to solve problems. And to me, uh, that encompasses sales. Mm-hmm. And so the, the influence and the opportunity, and again, whether that's personally or with your family, mm-hmm. um, and that goes up, down, and sideways too. There's no mm-hmm. hierarchical aspect to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I just believe in life, everyone's in sales. Yeah. And so sales to me is something to where, again, uh, you have the opportunity to uh, think about who you're for, um, what you're trying to do to help, um, whether that's an individual or an organization, mm-hmm. um, and then really trying to uh, come up with the best ways to um, influence and solve, and then with that solution, you know, ask for the business. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I do believe uh, that that's something that uh, you know people might think of sales as. Yeah, and put it into one functional little area. Yeah. But inside our organization today, I mean, there's people at this very moment who are um, in a meeting, uh, who are making a presentation uh, that don't have a sales title, mm-hmm. um, but they're making some recommendation, some suggestion. Mm-hmm. They're trying to um, uh, get influence and uh, understanding uh, from the room that they're in and then collaborate to solve an issue or a problem well i i couldn't agree more with you um you you are right each of us no matter what our role is uh what no matter what function we sit in uh, we are influencing on behalf of our organization and often on behalf of our constituents in my case or customers in your case and you, you said something that that I think was very important. I don't remember exactly how you just said it, but it made me think about seek to understand first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so as you, you know, build and lead sales teams, um, you know, how do you, as you're going in to help customers solve problems, uh, what, how do you go about that? And, and how do you help people understand why it's so important to understand and listen first? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of um, dig into this one a little bit more specific to J.B. Hunt. Mm-hmm. And so at J.B. Hunt, really the, the way that we um, talk about going to market, also the way that from a sell side, a solution design, and an execution, uh, we have a methodology that we call customer value delivery. Okay. And so CVD for short. Mm-hmm. And there's really five components of that. And you said seek to understand. Mm -hmm. Well, understand is the very first part. And so I'll I'll give you all five real quick, and then we can talk about different things. But um, the five components of CVD, and you can kind of think of this in a wheel. Um, Think of this as a continuous process. But we want to understand Mm -hmm. um, what the customer needs. Um, we want to understand and collaborate with them strategically then to deliver a solution that creates value for them. And then after delivering that solution, we always want to measure it. Mm. What were their expectations? What were ours? What were the assumptions that we 
had built those expectations on. Um, are those assumptions true in reality? Mm-hmm. Are we hitting the performance that we needed to? So we want to understand, we want to deliver, we want to measure all the time. Data is so important. Mm-hmm. And then we want to have this regular cadence of communication. Um, and that can be in the moment always, mm-hmm. um, but also regular cadence that just shares, whether it's weekly business reviews, monthly, quarterly, annual business reviews. Mm-hmm. And we bring in other stakeholders and decision makers that are, were a part of that and share how we're doing together. Mm-hmm. So did we understand? Do we still understand? Are we delivering? Are we measuring appropriately? Are we communicating in a regular fashion? And then we have this last part that's very, very important, is trying to anticipate what's next. Hmm. Anticipate what the other challenges might be or opportunities. And then you flip back into, okay, now we're in this deep understanding phase again. So you can Mm -hmm. think of that as a continuous flow of customer value delivery, but the customer's in the center. Mm -hmm. And everything we do, we're trying to create value for that customer, uh, for the individual to hit their objectives, for the organization, um, and go back to our mission. If we're doing that in the most efficient way, uh, then we feel like our value proposition is strong, our relationships can be very strong, um, and then the opportunity to continue with that client um, uh, goes on. So, yeah. well, and and you know, when we when we teach and talk about sales here. Um, you know, one thing we're very focused on is how do we create value for others? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think you said the customer's at the center and you're always focused on creating value. Just as you're thinking about, let's say, a, a student here and you're explaining like, well, why would that be my focus of creating value for someone else rather than myself? Yeah, well, and I will say, okay, we are a business uh, in business Uh, we do invest. Mm -hmm. To invest, we have to make money. Absolutely. Yeah, and we invest in really kind of three key areas, our people, our technology, and our capacity. But we do that, again, with the focus of being the most efficient that we can. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, we know if we create that value, then we're going to grow. And so, to me, it's kind of all uh, laced together. Um, in the fact that uh, we have to, if, if from a competitive perspective, mm-hmm. um, if we don't create value, someone else will. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a competitive perspective, if we're not the most efficient, someone is always trying to be. Yeah. And then um, we know if we're creating that value, then our opportunity to continue to earn that business from that customer as their business grows. Mm-hmm. Um, to earn more of their share of spend. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to solve and add different solutions, because I want to say this too, in that understand phase, I really don't care what a customer buys. Mm -hmm. Now I said we've got five distinct business units. There's multiple services inside each one of those. Mm -hmm. But we know if we understand the customer appropriately, we get synced up on the strategy that where we can add value, Mm and we provide a great experience through that whole CVD process, then we know, okay, our opportunity to continue to create new solutions with other services or other things over time um, continues to be there. So that's really why that customer value is so important. Mm -hmm. That focus on customer creating value for the customer ultimately means that that 
that value is going to accrue to you and the company in the long run. Yeah, yeah, and we know as well, then we can continue to invest in those things and mm -hmm. continue to um, solve for more customers. And again, go back to that mission of the most efficient transportation network in North America. Mm -hmm. um, the more that we are able to connect and really think about this too, yes, we're a big organization, um, but we have customers that might do one or two shipments a month, mm -hmm. very small. Mm -hmm. So micro, small businesses, uh, medium, large, other strategic. So we kind of have the whole portfolio. Yep. Um, and there's lots of opportunity to expand in that. And so you know, in that whole thought process of focusing on the customer, we'll, we want to really try to meet them where they are and no, regardless of size. Yeah, and so customers are often in a very different place. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as, as we've talked before, uh, you know, this, the supply chain, any customer supply chain, and then the overall um, web of supply chains, if you want to put it that way, is complicated, complex, and at times delicate, you mm -hmm. know, in certain ways. And I feel like we saw that, or, you know, the public really probably saw that and became acutely aware of it during COVID. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's still the case in certain ways. When you, when you go to a customer um, and helping them solve complicated problems, you, you have to bring a team with a pretty diverse set of background and expertise to the table, along with probably that same type of team from the customer. How do you go about assembling the right sets of talent on your team to do that? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I do also wanna um, talk about from a team perspective um, I view everyone as in sales, but another thing that we talk about is sales is a team sport. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and so um, no one at J.B. Hunt has a monopoly on the best ideas all the time. No one. But collectively, and this is really where it kind of goes back to our culture um, and, and really our, our culture of inclusion, our culture of um, really seeking out and, and making sure that every person at J.B. Hunt, you know, has a voice, that we hear them. Um, but going right to the customer, we know on the sell side, um, we're sitting there and we've got an opportunity to create a solution. And there are several that are pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, and I might be the seller and you might be in my, my pricing team and um, I might work with you and we say, okay, hey, we've got something that we think can create value for both organizations. Um, I might bounce that um, off of our operations team just to get their uh, nod on it and then we present that back to the customer and see when we can start. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are others that, um, you know, every customer is different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have a lot of opportunities in our organization from our engineering teams um, and by the way, they are some of our best sellers. Hmm. Um, they don't have a sales title. Yeah. Um, but really taking the opportunity to understand the customer's data, work with the customer to not just understand the data, but the realities of the operation at the dock level even, mm -hmm. at the order level. Um, those engineers do a wonderful job working with our sales team. And then um, when you think about uh, the complex deals, you also want to bring 
your operations team along that's going to be executing on the customer's behalf to meet those expectations mm -hmm. and make sure we've got everything correct. And I'll say this, um, on the sales side, you know, you talk about one of the things you have to ask or do as a seller, you have to ask for the business. Yeah. So you have to close the deal. That's what people talk about. <laughs> um, I'll say that our operations teams mm -hmm. are our closers. Interesting. And um, so in those complex deals, I might share with you, the customer, hey, Brent, here's how we're going to um, execute on this business. This is what I heard from you. Here's kind of the data that we looked at, the strategy that we collaborated on to put the solution on the table. But my operator sitting next to me is not going to say what we're going to do. They're going to say how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And the instant credibility comes right there uh, from the customer that says, okay, now I trust you. Hmm. We will help our sellers try to navigate based on each individual opportunity. We are very solution focused, mm -hmm. so it's very customized on each wherever customer, wherever they are and what they need. And we wanna try to meet them where they're at regardless of size. So we'll rally a big team like that, um, or we could have something as simple that maybe in your um, spot, in your business, um, you might have uh, seen an email or some marketing from our team mm -hmm. and said, oh, J.B. Hunt can do that. Mm -hmm. um, I need that today. And you might do a self-service sign-up on uh, J.B. Hunt 360, get a quote, and execute your shipment, and you might not talk to anyone. Yeah. You might not talk to anybody. You might not need a salesperson. But down the road, you might need some support because you have a further question, and mm -hmm. we'll meet you there, too. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a couple of things that, that you said. One, talking about investment in technology, made me think about the future of sales. Mm. You know, and I, I just wondered from your perspective, sitting in, you know, sit, sitting in your role where you're, you're leading uh, sales and marketing in J.B. Hunt, but you're seeing so many customers, you know, and um, what they're trying to accomplish strategically, and you're interacting with them. How do you see sales evolving in the future? Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I do love sales. Um, I love representing our company and our team. Um, and when you think about in the past, um, say back when I first started, uh, say the decade after that, even the decade after that, mm -hmm. um, sales has always been very relational, mm -hmm. um, uh, very one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations, um, a lot of in-person discussions, um, and really trying to come up with, um, again, what's that uh, solution that can meet a customer's needs. Uh, but doing that um, basically in a, in a very uh, kind of high-touch Away, mm -hmm. I still believe that's going to be the case in the future. Okay, but I'm going to say it this way: I think the future of sales is going to be both digital and personal. So go back to that people you trust comment I made mm -hmm. a minute ago. Mm -hmm. People buy from people that they trust. Um, relationships are still very important. Now, can you you do that sometimes in a very digital way? Absolutely, too you can. And so I think as we're really looking um, around the corner into the next few years, 
Um, we're already looking at our sales tech stack. Mm -hmm. And you know, today we're using Adobe from a marketing perspective, content management. We're using Marketo um, as part of helping us manage our content and contacts and really um, helping us get in touch with new potential customers. Um, all of that in addition to another part of our tech is Zoom Info hmm. and um, uh, trying to understand potential buyers and buyer intent. Mm -hmm. um, and then connecting all of that to our CRM, which is currently Microsoft Dynamics. Mm -hmm. And the opportunities inside the Microsoft platform and in all of that is to leverage the opportunity of AI, generative AI, language learning models mm -hmm. to automate and present things to our sellers um, in a way that makes them more insightful, mm -hmm. uh, more impactful, more efficient. So even going back up to our mission. Yeah. And so I think the future is really where the automation comes in, that digital side, but also that AI becomes personal to me, the seller. Mm -hmm. And so the seller that can um, really embrace that, embrace that change and say, okay, I want to be a part of making this better. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be a part of um, helping these models uh, become more predictive, automated, and efficient to help me focus my time that, okay, I've got all these things to do, but based on where I'm at with this sales cycle and this client and this opportunity, this is the recommended task that I should do next. Mm -hmm. And then not only in that recommendation, serve up to me uh, some of the content, some of the best ways to respond that can really save me time and make me more efficient. Mm -hmm. And now I still have to personalize that. Mm -hmm. So that's where there's eyes on, there's hands on that, and then to personalize it and then leverage that in my conversation yeah. uh, with the customer either online or in person. So mm -hmm. I think the seller of the future is the one who's going to embrace that technology mm -hmm. um, to help them in their productivity and also their customer responses. Mm -hmm. um, the solutions we create, um, and I think they'll be very, very successful. So it's really, really exciting about what's coming up. It is exciting to think about how technology like AI mm -hmm. uh, can improve productivity and allow people, uh, both for the seller and the buyer, to use their skills at a higher level than they ever could before. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally think that's maybe the most exciting thing about how technology is gonna unlock the future. So I love, I love your, your point about the future of sales is still personal and at the same time digital. You, um, you know, and as you were saying that, it made me think about your customer. So I guess as, as the sales team, you have to help that customer get comfortable, I, I would assume, but you also said contribute. Uh, uh, contribute and maybe maybe you didn't use that word, but that's the way I took it, was that they've got to be committed to helping make this process better as well. Yeah, I think that um, both uh, from the way that we work on solutions with the customer, mm -hmm. um, so we want to have uh, data-driven insightful but collaborative strategies mm -hmm. that we work with them on mm -hmm. and so uh, again there might be a little bit different experience on kind of the uh, 
maybe the smaller or mm-hmm. um, other self-serve type customers. Mm-hmm. We want to do that through our tech platform. Mm-hmm. We want to empower them to run their business in a way um, that maybe they can't today through insights and visibility mm-hmm. um, and access to information. Mm-hmm. But if you go back upstream um, to maybe some of the more complex um, or strategic relationships that we have, uh, that's a very collaborative process to where we want to create um, a roadmap um, jointly with our customers, mm-hmm. um, a mutually agreed to strategy mm-hmm. um, that has goals mm-hmm. and very high expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we achieve those expectations, the opportunity for us to achieve our goals together um, is pretty significant. Spencer, uh, maybe kind of double click on data for just for just yeah. a moment. Um, you and I have been working together I, for 10 or 11 years. Um, and I remember in early conversations uh, how important the sharing of data was a decade ago. Um, and it seems like it's going to become maybe even more important in the future if we're really going to leverage these technologies am i am i right or do you see that differently uh, no you're 100 percent right um, but from really the solution part uh, when you think about um, getting data that our customers have well uh, one of the things and you know in this college you really talk about the impact of forecasting and planning and mm-hmm. and how all that comes together and really trying to understand demand from a uh, customer perspective, mm-hmm. um, it's still really hard, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Especially over the last few years. No doubt. Um, and then the impacts of missing that by a little bit, whether it's missing sales um, or having too much inventory, um, our customers have a hard, hard job. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to work with them to understand, okay, what can we settle in on uh, from a data perspective? that allows us to then look through and optimize for them um, the best combined solution and give them things to think about that maybe they haven't in the past. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest ones goes back to leveraging data to see what can convert from the highway mm-hmm. to intermodal mm-hmm. um, in our world. And that's um, the most efficient, most cost-effective, most sustainable, mm-hmm. um, executing and really having 60% less of a carbon impact, mm-hmm. moving it on the train versus is on a truck. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of customers, we have to kind of talk through, okay, well, did you know this opportunity exists? And even try to expand their thinking of maybe they are doing some of that business today, mm-hmm. but our network is changing the way that our teams are executing with our railroads is changing and we think we can expand uh, their view of that market in a big big way so that takes a lot of data Um, it also takes then um, go from back to the personal developing a lot of trust in our execution Hmm. um, because there's been some challenges in that network in the past Mm -hmm. but so whether you're talking about that type of conversion or optimization of a fleet Mm-hmm. that allows a customer to see, hey, we think we could run your fleet um, a little bit more efficiently, um, covering the same number of shipments with maybe a few less trucks, mm-hmm. um, handling the variability of that challenge of forecasting mm-hmm. um, a little bit differently than they do today that creates a more efficient answer. So that's kind of how all that comes together mm-hmm. on the front end. But data is so important. And then how we present that back 
Um, we want to give them the opportunity to visualize that solution. Okay. Um, and then coming down the road is even um, their opportunity to maybe uh, click the parts of that that make sense for them today. Hmm. Go back to the other part of data on execution. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best parts about a quarterly business review that we do is our customers continue to ask us today, okay, well, um, what do we need to do to be better for JB Hunt, uh, for your mm -hmm. drivers? How can we help you become more efficient to help us become more efficient? Mm -hmm. um, great questions. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we do talk about going digital and personal is we take data that crowdsources the experience of drivers at our customer's dock. Okay. And we share the comments, we share the reviews, and so there could be all kinds of KPIs and high-level service right. metrics and other things, but when you get down to how does someone feel when they come in and work with my team at my location, mm -hmm. customers are highly interested in that. Yeah, That makes it personal. Hmm. And they know, again, still a people business. Mm -hmm. um, they wanna make sure that they're doing the right things. They're rewarding people on their team that are um, providing a great experience. Yeah and then coaching others that maybe aren't. Yeah. Um, and then there are economic impacts of both of those hmm. um, that we can share information to. Because so, there's certainly cost to serve implications of that, that, I see. That's exactly right. So uh, again, as a seller, you can talk about the sales enablement part that I shared a little bit ago, but now you can talk about this buyer enablement part of leveraging data, mm -hmm. uh, thinking about in solution creation, um, and really that design and delivery, and then going into that communication of the personal experience mm. down the road. And again, mm. as a seller, that's all part of our, our world, mm. so. Well, digitally enabled sales uh, of the future, uh, or the growth of digitally enabled sales is, is quite exciting. And isn't it fun to be in, uh, in a role and field that is constantly changing mm. and where you have to learn and adapt? every single day. Yeah, it really is. And I'll tell you, um, one of the best parts about our business um, is we can always be a student of business. Mm. And we get to work with so many different customers mm -hmm. and we get to see how they do um, their business, how they take care of their teams, um, what their focus is, their mission, their priorities, um, and get to learn quite a bit, um, both from strategic all the way strategic planning down to day-to-day -day execution. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really is a lot of fun and it's a great opportunity just to continue to learn. Absolutely. You know, as as we conclude, um, maybe just, you know, I've got 8,000-ish undergraduate students uh, and you speak regularly, I know, maybe even every single semester on our campus about leadership. and. So maybe a little bit about your style of leadership, and then when you're in the classroom, what what's the advice that you give that 21, 22-year-old, like really looking at, you know, what's my future gonna look like, and, and how do I make my impact? That's a, a good question. Um, I'll maybe use two words here. Um, from a leadership perspective, uh, you talk about uh, my style. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I I don't know. You'd have to ask people I work with. <laughs> um, but something I've always tried to focus on is really how can I serve? Hmm. Um, how can I help? Um, even going all the way back to uh, working nights or those first operational jobs. Um, you know, we are a team. Uh, we are a family. Um, how can we help each other? How can I help? Um, even if I don't know the answer, um, what can I do to um, learn it, to try to figure that out? Mm -hmm. So really, how can I serve? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still trying to do that today. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big responsibility uh, in this role. Uh, we have a wonderful team, um, and I just always want to serve them well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were talking about um, advice from a student perspective, um, and advice I wish um, I would have had when I was a student um, is to really be present. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, mm -hmm. um, each of us has an opportunity every single day, every single interaction uh, to be present. And in the classroom to be present. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, um, let's see, I was in the classroom um, more focused on finishing the class, mm -hmm. not as much focused on being present to get what I could from the class, mm -hmm. to learn, also to contribute where appropriate, but to really be engaged in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. every student, and even me today, yep. in every interaction, I know if you can focus on being present, um, not having the phone, not having and really engaging, listening, contributing. Um, there's so much to learn and there's so much to take from the experience and opportunities that mm. they have today. Mm. Uh, and so my advice would just be present. Spencer, I see that as such wisdom. Um, and today it's really hard to do, mm. right? There's yeah. so many di distractions out there. Um, but, you know, whether it's what can you take out of the classroom or learn from whatever experience you're in, you know, I agree with that 100%. But also, I know when I'm sitting across from you, you know, that you're going to be present and engaged with me. And that means a lot, no matter what type of relationship that we have, whether it's a buyer-seller relationship or whether it's a collaborative partnership like we have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it all comes down to then um, is connected to keeping things personal, building those relationships, um, demonstrating a sense of respect and caring for others. Um, and I think that can just uh, help all of us down the road. Well, thank you for the way you've partnered with us at the Walton College and the way J.B. Hunt has really uh, partnered with the Walton College and University of Arkansas. Uh, it's certainly been a pleasure uh, for me over the last 10 years or so to work alongside you, and I look forward to a lot more. Yeah, same here, Brent, and I appreciate that. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, you bet. On behalf of the Walton College, thank you for joining us for this captivating conversation. To stay connected and never miss an episode, simply search for Be Epic on your preferred podcast service.